Today's prospect rankings is an organization that's usually near the bottom of the farm system rankings, but always finds impact big leaguers. It's the Atlanta Braves. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, freelance baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. Special thank you to the everydayers who are here with us on this journey every single day. Love to hear from you guys, to see you guys here. If you're new to the show, you can subscribe to us anywhere you get your podcasts, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, And if you're on YouTube, special hello to you. Do us a favor, like the video, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell so you're notified when we put out a new episode. I want to talk about the Atlanta Braves today. And I feel like I'm uniquely qualified to do that because I am the host of Locked in MLB Prospects. I am also the editor-in-chief of Bravestoday.com, Sports Illustrated's Atlanta Braves coverage. So when you're looking at this Atlanta Braves farm system, It is very pitching heavy. This is the organization more so than any other that is incredibly heavily tilted towards arms. There is hitting talent in this system. And we're going to talk in the third segment about how Atlanta balances the pitching and the hitting. But open it up. We have to talk about some of the best pitchers in this system. And the number one prospect I have on my prospect rankings. And again, if you want access to these prospect rankings, Go to our subtext. Links in the episode description. Links in the show notes. Uh, I have AJ smith Shaver as the number one prospect in this system. 2021 seventh rounder out of high school. And the story for AJ smith Shaver, absolutely wild, right? Played football and baseball in high school. Uh, was both a hitter and a pitcher. I think he was committed to maybe it was Texas Tech or something like that. Braves took him in the seventh round, signed him for like a million dollars. So they went way over slot to get him, and he comes in. He spends all of 2022 in low A Augusta. And then in 2023, climbs from high A through double A to triple A into the majors and debuts for Atlanta at the major league level. At age 20, just two years removed from being in high school. Absolutely wild. So the stats for A.J. smith this year. In the minors, 12 starts, has a 4-2 record with a 2.88 ERA. And again, that was high A, double A, and now triple A. He made three starts in high A. He made two starts in double A Mississippi. I want to say it rained maybe both times and they had the weird baseballs, so they just sent him straight to Gwinnett. And then between his time in MLB and his time in Gwinnett, he's made seven starts in Gwinnett. But again, it's a 4-2 record and a 2-8-8 ERA. 56 and a third innings with 71 strikeouts, so 11.3 per nine, to 26 walks, 4.2 per nine, and four home runs allowed. And some of this has been a little bit of struggles in AAA Gwinnett. We've seen, I think the record's 2-2 two and two and it's a 4-5-8 ERA. Now at the major league level, what A.J. smith has done is 
He has pitched in five games. He has four starts. He made his debut in Arizona in relief. I think of Michael Soroka, actually. So he's 1-0 with a 4-5-7 ERA in 21 and two-thirds innings. 18 strikeouts to 10 walks. He's given up seven home runs. And I think that's part of the reason that you saw Atlanta say, okay, we're going to send you back to AAA, let you continue to develop what you do down there. But the amount of development that A.J. Smith-Shaver has been able to get into just this season is amazing. So when Atlanta drafted him, the common joke, and I made this joke with Jake Mastriani of Locked on Braves, the common joke was he was the Spencer Strider starter kit, right? A.J. Smith-Shaver was a fastball slider guy. The fastball sat 95-96. He could touch 98 with it was really good up in the zone, like a more than a foot and a half of induced vertical break, right? Had some cut to it, had some run to it, and he commanded it pretty well. Wasn't amazing control, but commanded it pretty well. And then he had a slider in the upper 80s, almost like a slutter, a uh, slutter, almost, that's what they put on the scoreboard in Atlanta, a, a slider cutter hybrid, so like, technically a slutter, sat in the upper 80s and just really like hard, sharp action that just dove down at the very last minute, right? And so it was those two things and that he had a changeup that existed. It wasn't very good. And so you can obviously see this is where the Spencer Strider com- comparisons came from for AJ Smith-Shaver, right? Because that's what Spencer Strider is. Fastball slider has a changeup that exists. By the time we see A.J. Smith-Shaver at the big league level, he added a curveball. Curveball that he literally developed the curveball during the season this year in the minor leagues and debuted it at the, when he got to the major league level. And his pitch mix is still heavily fastball. In the bigs, 50-something percent fastball, 25% slider, and then like 11% curveball, 9% changeup. Usually is throwing the change up below the zone, trying to get chase. Usually the curveball, and I think this is where he struggled sometimes because the goal of the curveball, it's a vertical breaker. The goal of the curveball is to make somebody chase down out of the zone. But the most common locations where it was caught was almost at the dirt behind the plate and then at the top of the zone. And so that curveball tended to occasionally get absolutely rocked. Uh, Slugging percentage on the curveball is a 778. Not great, but a lot of the the home runs that came off of A.J. Smith-Shaver were on the fastball. And you can see how it's really promising profile, but he needs a little bit more work. He is the number one prospect in the system. He is in AAA Gwinnett. He may be an option for Atlanta in the postseason. I don't necessarily know. The number two prospect that I have in the system is actually a guy that was just drafted this year, but Hurston Waldrip out of the University of Florida. First rounder this year. He's made exactly three starts between A and high A, so Roman Augusta. No record, but 174 ERA in 10 of the third innings, 15 strikeouts to six walks, no home runs allowed. Uh, obviously, really small sample sizes here. The stats don't necessarily matter. What Hurston Waldrop does is one, the fastball is very good. So sits 96, 
He can run it up to 99 or so, and he throws three different secondaries. He throws a changeup, sits in the upper 80s, has like a splitter action with it, uh, has a 12 to 6 curveball, so a vertical breaking curveball, and then a really hard slider in the mid 80s. Different velocity bands, different directions of movement, and the fastball changeup tunnel very well. Now, he needs to be a little more consistent with not only the fastball command, but the command of the secondaries. And so there's work to be done, but we've talked about this a ton and the everydayers know this. University of Florida does not do a good job of developing their pitchers. He wasn't there the entire time. He transferred in. He started off at Southern Mississippi, but still a guy that he showed after he, he did Team USA and then he did Florida. He showed his stuff was very good, competed at the highest levels of the SEC, but he also showed there was some work to be done, and Florida wasn't able to do that. I trust an organization like Atlanta will be able to develop Herson Waldrip into, to me, it feels like, just simply because this is the kind of the limit that I like to go to and be comfortable with, I want to say a number three starter, potentially a number two, but uh, you never know with this Atlanta organization what can come out. I don't think any of us had Spencer Strider as a potential Cy Young candidate when he was drafted by the Atlanta Braves. The number three pitcher for me in this system, and I, I am the high person on, he, on him compared to a lot of other parts of the prospect apparatus, but Spencer Schwellenbach, the pitcher out of University of Nebraska. 2021 second rounder was a two-way prospect in the class. Atlanta wanted him as a pitcher, signed him for about a million bucks, and he needed Tommy John. He was still like he was work. He was coming back from Tommy John still, and he hasn't pitched until this year. Thirteen games in single A, so with Rome, four and two. Thirteen games in single A, so with Augusta, with the Green Jackets, four and two, two six three ERA in fifty one of the third innings, forty one strikeouts, so seven point two per nine to fifteen walks, two point six per nine, three home runs allowed. The strikeout numbers don't sound amazing, but this is definitely something where he was a shortstop and a reliever at Nebraska, and Atlanta's converting him into a starter. So uh, trying to get him stretched out, trying to get him back from injury, fastball slider changeup kind of thing. The fastball was, he could run it up to 99 as a reliever. He sits 94, 95 right now, can reach back and get some more as he needs it but not necessarily consistently sitting upper 90s because one, he's coming back from Tommy John and two, he's pitching a lot longer outings than he used to pitch. Now, the slider sits in the low to mid 80s. The changeup sits in the low 80s. Really good velocity separation between the fastball and the changeup. Just something where he, there, he's still working on getting the feel for all of them back. I like his potential as a starter. I think he's a really promising prospect. It's obviously a little bit early for us to give a determination as to what he is, but I feel like I'm definitely the high man on him. I think Baseball America has him at number six or maybe even lower. MLB Pipeline has him somewhere similar. I have him at number three, partially because some of the prospects behind him or that are behind him that other places don't have behind him are out with Tommy John. And partially because I'm a believer in the stuff and I know how good the Braves are at taking those two-way players and letting them specialize on just pitching and how significantly they can take a guy who has stuff 
and they can jump the quality of his stuff and the overall quality of him as a pitcher. In just a minute, there are hitters in this organization. We're going to talk about some of the more prominent ones. We'll do that next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. Okay, prospectors, I have to tell you about a new app called Bunches. It's an app built for sports fans where you can chat about sports in real time. Go to the Apple App Store, download the Bunches app now. I'm telling you, you're going to love the conversations with other prospect fans, with other Braves fans. Bunches is the place where sports fans go to chat. And the Locked on MLB group chat is now on Bunches. If you're an iPhone user, go there now and connect with other baseball fans. Chat about your favorite team. Keep up with the latest MLB news. If you're an Android user, go to the website and sign up to be notified about when the Android app is available. But iPhone users, download the Bunches app today. And when you do, our friends at Bunches have featured the Locked on MLB Bunch in the Discover tab. You can also click the link in the episode description below to join the Locked on MLB Bunch community today. Believe it or not, there are hitters in this Atlanta Braves system. Now, there's not a ton of them, but there are hitters in this Atlanta Braves system. And looking at the prospect rankings, a couple of the guys that I have, uh, Ignacio Alvarez, third baseman, 2022 fifth rounder out of junior college. Uh, I have him at number six. I know I think Baseball America has him at number five. MLB Pipeline has him a little bit higher. But he's probably the highest rated position player prospect in this system. With the understanding, Von Grissom is no longer a position player prospect. Okay, He has graduated because of service time that he got last year, filling in for Aussie Albies at second. Alcio Alvarez, again, I have him at six. A lot of places have him at five. He spent the whole year in high A. 298, 409, 408. Six home runs, 28 extra base hits. 61 walks to 73 strikeouts and 15 of 20 on stolen bases. The thing here is the strike zone discipline for Nacho Alvarez is very good, right? Again, 409 on base, 298 batting average. The strike zone discipline, the swing decisions, all great. And that's why he's done so well. You can, like, when you hear the power numbers and you hear 408 slugging, it's not incredibly impressive, but understand that I, I think there's more there. When you look at some of the exit velocity numbers, things like that, his average exit velocity is like 89 miles an hour and the 90th percentile exit velo. Remember, we don't like to use max exit velo because you could have one fluky hit that is just way out from everything else. His 90th percentile exit velocity is 103. There's power there. I think the question is, where does the power ceiling end up for Ignacio Alvarez? Going into the season, a lot, of it, a lot of the listings, a lot of the prospect scouting reports had him as a 50 hit and a 50 power. I think 60 is probably more appropriate for the hit tool. I think he's gone up a full grade since the season started. The question is, where does the power end up? Now, defensively, He's played a little bit of shortstop, but his speed is below average. He is a third baseman. Now, uh, he could cover shortstop in an emergency. He could play second as well. The arm is above average, so he's going to be able to stick at third. But 
Uh, he's he's similar to Vaughn Grissom in the way of the offense is good. There's more power potential than actual game power right now. But I do think Nacho Alvarez is better defensively than Vaughn Grissom. And I think he could be a utility guy at the major league level and could competently play second, short, or third for you if you needed him to. Although, I wouldn't want him at short and more than like an emergency situation, fill in for a day or something. That's about the limit of what I'd want Ignacio Alvarez to do at shortstop. But very promising. We'll talk third segment about how he might fit into the Atlantis plans in the future. A couple other notable hitters here. Outfielder Luis Guanipa just finished his Dominican Summer League season. I've got him ranked number seven in the system. 46 games in the DSL, 238, 361, 384. Four home runs, 16 extra base hits. 23 walks to 42 strikeouts and 20 to 26 on stolen bases. Fantastic speed. 70 grade speed. Can give you really good defense. True center fielder. The arm isn't that great. You have a limiting factor. If for some reason he slows down and can't stick in center, you're looking at having to kick him to left field. And he has plus raw power. But we obviously going by the stats there, 384 slug, he didn't really get into games that much. How much of that is not having good pitches to hit? You can never trust the pitching in the DSL. How much of that is the we were wrong on the power? I don't necessarily know. I just admittedly, uh, it's kind of a gap in the knowledge that we have is DSL, the details of DSL play and even complex level for a good part. I've got him at seven knowing that I'm not really comfortable dropping him based off the stat line, but I'm not comfortable raising him up off of the stat line either. Two more guys to quickly talk about and making sure we we, we cover almost every position here. You look at uh, Drake Baldwin, catcher. I have him somewhere, you know, just outside the top 10. Number 13 or so is where I've got Drake Baldwin. Uh, 88 games this year in high A after being a third rounder last year out of Missouri State. Actually, the first hitter that was taken in last year's draft by Atlanta. 244, 374, 425. 11 home runs, 35 extra base hits, 60 walks to 80 strikeouts, no stolen base attempts. Defensively, he's fine. He's not exceptional in any way. I, I think he could get to average defense by the time he makes it up to Atlanta. He's not going to be an amazingly standout defender. He's not going to be, uh, you know, like a gold glove guy behind the dish, but he's going to be fine. Offensively, left-hand hitter, which feels like you don't see a lot of lefty hitting catchers, so that's really nice. And something, the swing decisions are good. The question is the power potential in the profile. He was graded entering the year as a 50 grade on the power. I'm still giving him a pass as far as what is your power potential in college at Missouri State. It didn't really show up until his draft year. And when you look at at some of what he's doing, the uh, his average exit velos just around 90 miles an hour. So we were happy about Nacho's 89. You have to be happy about Baldwin's 90. The question is how effective is he going to be able to get it into games? Uh, and then another infielder, and probably the highest ceiling as far as power goes of these guys in this system as of right now, David McCabe. Uh, 23 years old, 2020 
2022 fourth rounder out of UNC Charlotte. 6'3", 230. Big boy, right? But 106 games between A-ball and high A. 285, 398, 485. 17 home runs, 40 extra base hits. 72 walks to 98 strikeouts and 8 of 10 on stolen bases. Massive, okay, defensively. Third base or first base? Not sure which one. Played a lot of first base in college. Atlanta started him off at third base because he has an absolute cannon for an arm. That said, so does Matt Olson, and Matt Olson's playing first base. We'll see where he ends up staying, but the defense is fine. It's not great, and it might not be good enough as he moves up to stay at third base, but from what I've seen this year, it's fine. So, First baseman or third baseman, we'll see. Either way, Atlanta doesn't necessarily have a backup at those positions, so we'll see what happens. But the big thing here, switch hitter, big boy, big power. Did Felt like he hit better as a lefty, but didn't show as much power as a lefty. But either way, is good with the strike zone. Again, 98 strikeouts in 106 games, but 72 walks. So has good pitch recognition. When he misses, it's something where he's chasing. He's not getting beat in the zone. Question's going to be, how well does he get that power into games as he moves up? Again, 45 slug is good. 17 home runs, 40 extra base hits, and 106 games is good. But as he moves up and faces better pitching, what's going to happen? Big question there for David McCabe. In just a minute, let's talk about how this farm system can help the major league team We'll do that next right here on Locked and MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Sleeper. Do, if, do you think Matt Olson's going to hit a home run tonight? Uh, I mean, this is a Thursday show and the Braves are off, so he will not. But maybe on Friday in San Francisco in the late game, he will. If you do, you can go to Sleeper and swing for the fences with up to a 100 times payout. All you have to do Choose two or more players that you like and select more or less on their stat categories. Home runs, strikeouts, hits, things like that. You get your picks right, you can win big. And now they have dynamic payouts. So this is where each player projection, based on the player and the odds of them doing that thing, has its own individual multiplier attached to it. Normally, on some of the other platforms, they just have a preset multiplier. You get five times for four picks, or you get six times for five picks, like whatever it is like that. On Sleeper, it's dynamic payouts. You get higher payouts than other apps with less picks. So use promo code Locked On. You'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Now, terms and conditions do apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details on that. But they are currently operational in over 30 states. So check out Sleeper today. Okay, so when we're looking at this Atlanta Braves system, and I barely scratched the surface of the pitching in this Braves system. There are tons of pitchers and tons of really good and really promising pitchers that we didn't even get to. J.R. Ritchie, who is out with Tommy John right now, but J.R. Ritchie, Owen Murphy, you just brought in Drew Hackenberg and Cade Kuehler. Blake Burkhalter out with Tommy John could be your setup man of the future. You've got Jared Schuster and Dylan Dodge. Schuster was called up just the other day. Just Dezebel Hernandez. You saw him as the debut as a reliever back in early August, and then he went on the IL. 
with, I think it was an elbow injury. He's going to graduate prospect eligibility on the IL as well. Uh, Alan Winans has been up and down a couple times, had a great start against the Mets, had a bad start against the Mets. Tons of options, tons of pitchers in this system. But what Atlanta has been able to do with this farm system is understand these are the players that we need to hold on to and develop into big leaguers versus these are the players that are expendable, that we can turn around and we can move for a piece or multiple pieces to supplement the major league roster. So look at the guys that were traded in the Matt Olson and Sean Murphy deals. I know the common connection there is the Oakland A's, but none of those players that were traded by the Atlanta Braves have you looked back with the exception of maybe William Contreras? Have you looked back and said, the Atlanta Braves are a worse team or a worse organization for those players leaving? There's been some one-for-one trades. You traded Justin Henry Malloy to Detroit for Joe Jimenez. So Atlanta's done a good job of prioritizing the position players that they thought could be major league regulars, like a Vaughn Grissom. Uh, like a Michael Harris, perfect example of that. Wasn't a top 100 prospect entering last year. They understood how good he was. They aggressively promoted him, got him to the bigs. He performed, and then they locked him up on a long-term deal like they love to do. Uh, And I think the other part of what the Braves have been able to do has been that understanding of when to offer the long-term extension and getting guys to accept those. The Braves assume the risk of their cost-controlled years in exchange for a discount. And none of these players, not Spencer Strider, not Matt Olson, not Austin Riley, none of these guys are making more than $22 million a year in any year of their deal. And obviously, the, the Acuna and Albies deals are significantly under market value because Atlanta assumed a lot of the risk by signing them when they were still in cost-controlled uh, like pre-arbitration years. But I do think because of the way that Atlanta has proceeded with signing guys to early extensions and getting them for no more than $22 million, what that means is there's going to be guys when they get to free agency, you are not going to be able to afford to keep them versus what other teams can offer. Freddie Freeman, Dansby Swanson. Unfortunately, and we're writing this up for Braves today to drop the same day as this episode. Unfortunately, Max Freed is probably not going to be around Atlanta after his free agent year because it's now you're past the point where you could sign him to an affordable long-term extension because he's been taking the risk by playing on one-year deals, not you. And he's so close to free agency and he's a union rep he's probably going to hit free agency and somebody will outbid you. So what Atlanta is doing is most of the position players are locked up. Every position but left field has a guy that is locked up for at least three more years, if not more. So what Atlanta is doing is they are developing options that can be utility guys and injury replacements. Nacio Alvarez is going to be a future utility guy for this team. They're developing guys, they're looking for guys who can be the next plug and play starter at the major league level. 
Luis Guanipa is a guy that they are very high on, that in a couple years could be your starting left fielder. And then they are looking for guys who can supplement depth-wise. Drake Baldwin is not going to be your starting catcher on an everyday basis, but he would be a perfectly fine number two catcher behind a guy like a Sean Murphy. So that's what Atlanta is trying to do. And it's smart, but it's risky, right? Because you... You have to understand, you have to properly evaluate and develop these players. And the reason you see this system lean so heavy towards pitching is because Alex Anthopoulos wants to have at least two aces at all times. And you lose Max Freed after 2024, probably. And so because of that, Atlanta's like, we have Spencer Strider. He's one. We are... Keeping Mike Soroka around for 2025. That's why he's not been called up yet. We, again, we wrote more about that at Bravesoday.com as well. And then they went after high ceiling college guys like a Hurston Waldrop that they think could develop into another ace. So you see what they're trying to do and the fact that most of what you're going to need at the major league level is going to be pitching and depth. And so that's why you have some position players, but you've leaned so heavily into pitching because not only is that what you're going to need at the major league level, that's what you've been really good at developing. Lean into your strength, develop that. You can either use them at the major league level or trade them away to get somebody that you can use at the major league level. Fantastic week this week. One more of these coming out. We're going to get the Cubs in tomorrow's show. But in the meantime, remember, It's always a great time to pay a minor league.